0: Mesekis Maysris, Peric Aleph, Mishnah one seven. The mission is continuing to define when Gamar Malacha, the completion of the processing occurs with various foodstuffs. Here in this mission we'll talk about wine and oil. And again the Nafkamina, the practical implications will be the once Gemar Malach has been reached, once the finishing of the processing has occurred, so food may no longer be eaten, even awry, even casually, or fed to one's animals, until it is properly tithed. So the Mishnah says, hayayin, when it comes to wine, from when you uh, skim off the top layer of the floating skins and seeds, etc., that are in the cistern that's collecting the wine. So just, you have to understand the setup of a basic wine press to appreciate the rest of this Mishnah here. What happens in super simple terms is you have, sort of like in the time of the Mishnah, I'll call it a hole in the ground, essentially a flat trough in the ground where one piles up the grapes, and he'll step on them with his feet. The grapes will let out all their juice. The juice will flow down a small little uh, conduit that leads from that upper pressing area where you tread on the grapes to a lower hole in the ground, uh, like a, a cistern, which is a reservoir into which the juice will flow. The upper pressing area is called the gas- in our Mishnah, the upper press. The lower reservoir where the juice flows into is called the gas tachtona or the bore, the lower vat, or cistern. And the conduit that connects the upper to lower is called the tsinor, like a, a conduit, a pipe. So the point of the Mishnah, without getting more technical in terms of the setup of a wine press, is that once the wine has gone into the pit into which it's flowing it'll sit there for a time and start to ferment bubbles will appear and the bubbles will bring the skins of the grapes up to the surface where they can be skimmed off the top so the gemar malacha when it comes to producing wine is when one skims off the top of the collected grape juice um, whatever's floating on top there and then what's left inside the bore, the pit the cistern is considered to be wine that's the gemar malacha meaning prior to bottling etc so the Mishnah's main point here is that, A, the Gemar occurs when you skim off the top of what's floating in the boar some days after it's collected there. Um, and B, Mishnah, Mishnah also points out that any even after Gemar any juice, wine that doesn't make it into that pit, reminds, remains still uh, permissible to be consumed Awry in a casual way, much like we saw in the previous mishnah. That even after the gemar when it comes to grain, whatever kernels of wheat manage to avoid being uh, being stacked and smoothed um, back at the threshing field, etc., those kernels could also still be eaten awry. So the mishnah says inside afop Shekipa, even if you've gone and skimmed off the top of the cistern, all the whatever's floating on top there, achieving gemar malacha still kolet minha yona you still could collect juice from the upper press where they were treading on the grapes, and the tsinor, the conduit through which that grape juice flowed, um and you could drink that wine, grape juice, uh, without tiding it, because it hadn't been collected and that little bit that missed the processing didn't reach Malacha. The Mishnah continues to discuss now um, oil, olive oil. So the setup with olive oil is essential to understand how the pressing works a little bit to understand the Mishnah. The basic idea is that you take olives, um, you put them inside a container, a yam, and you grind them up. Uh, you could do some printing, pressing prior to that, gentle pressing, to get out the virgin olive oil. But after that, you'll you'll essentially make a olive paste. Um, if you've ever been to Shalim or anywhere around Israel, you'll see the archaeological sites, those gigantic... Um, like stone or concrete discs with a hole in the middle, usually it's kind of like a squarish hole in the middle. Um, so that was the the top, the grinding stone, which sat inside a big basin. And, and that that grinding stone was called the memo. So <clears throat> you would put the olives into the the basin, the yam, the big, and then the the grinding stone would be moved around in a circle. There'd be a, a wooden stick coming out of the middle of that big stone that's pulled by say a donkey. It makes it goes round, round in circles. It grinds up. The olives into a paste. You collect the paste. You put it into like a sack. Uh, a sack is called the sack is called an akal. And then you put that sack under like some sort of weights. When there's like a beam that will press down on the on the sack the akal. And then the oil will ooze out of the paste, getting every last drop, and it will flow into something um, a collection hole, if you will, a collection area of the oil called an uka. So. The main point the Mishnah is going to make over here is that the gemar malach, when it comes to pressing olive oil is when the oil ends up in that uka, that reservoir at the bottom of the press. Um, but notwithstanding, consistent to the previous cases of grain and uh, grape juice slash wine, um, any oil that didn't end up in that uka still remains permitted to be consumed, achilat The Mishnah says inside, when it comes to hashemen, olive oil, Mishayerid la once it enters into that uka, that reservoir at the bottom of the press, that's the like Gmarmulacha. yarad, and even though it has flowed into the uka, you may no tell minha akal. You still could take oil from the sack that was holding the olive paste. Umibain ha memel, and also like there on the cracks and crevices, let's say, of the big stone that's grinding it. Um, as well as the basin, whatever's there, in between the wooden slats that are part of the press where the oil gets mixed into, and you could eat that olive oil. Now, obviously, you don't eat olive oil directly. You're not going to eat it like casserole with a spoon. It's going to make you sick. But you would um, smear it onto your cracker or into your serving dish. So a chamita is a cracker. And the point of the mission here actually is, is a shifting away from what we said before, temporarily. Everything we said stands, that from Gemar Malacha, completing the processing and onwards, that's when Achilles Raya becomes forbidden and tithing is required before consumption. But as we will see as things go on with the Mishnayis, there are other events that could occur, meaning other things that you could do that would be substitutes for the conventional Gemar Malacha. So one of those things is cooking. If, you've, if you're in the field but you go and cook your food, stuff, Even though you didn't bring it home, you didn't bring it to market, you didn't smooth the pile, whatever the story is, it doesn't matter. Um, Once um, cooking has occurred, the consumption of cooked food is no longer considered to be um, achilas aray. So our mission here is focusing on that. And the thought is that, let's say you take a hot cracker out of the fire and then apply oil right away. Do you have to be concerned that that hot cracker will cook the oil and that will constitute having cooked the oil, making the oil now forbidden prior to tithing it fully? And the mission is saying, no, it's not a problem the cracker out of the oven can't cook the oil, and therefore smearing the oil out of the cracker doesn't constitute uh, cooking the oil, which would require then if it were cooked, to now ha- it would have to be tithed. And same goes for a tamhui. A tamhui is like a like a soup tureen, like a serving bowl. The idea being that the tamhui never goes in the oven. Um, basically it's like you have your crock pot where you make your chelant, and that's the clear rishon. It's cooking, there's a heat element right there and it's cooking straight on the fire. And then you'll you'll decant, you'll empty out the contents of the crockpot into like a serving bowl, like a tureen, the tamachoy, and bring that tamachoy to the table. Um, it'll be nice and white and, you know, nice clean porcelain <laughs> serving bowl. So that serving bowl is never a, a kli rishon. It's always a kli It never went directly on the fire. It only receives, receives things that had been on the fire. So the point is, in our Mishnah, that a kli is unable to cook oil. And that being the case, if you pour your olive oil, into, that was not in the uka, not in the reservoir that had gemar and you pour it into a serving dish, which is a kli sheni, a tamchui, the tamchui doesn't cook it, and you could consume that oil and the, the food inside the tamchui with the oil, without a rye, without um, tithing that oil. However, we're going to contrast and say, if you'd put the oil into a kli rishon, something which had been on the fire, meaning like a pot or a pan, so it's a hot pot or a hot pan, even if the pan has been removed from the fire, but if you put olive oil into that pan or into that pot, it's going to cook the oil, and that will be considered to be cooking to the point that you no longer consume the oil without um, tithing it, it will become forbidden to have achilah sarai, casual eating of that oil, prior to tithing it fully, even though it never ended up in the uka, never had gemar malacha. So the mission says inside, yiten, But you may not put the oil that you recovered not from the uka, which a minute ago, before as you pull it out of, let's say between the slats or on the, you know, from on top of the memo, the grinding stone, whatever it is, um, you could consume that oil without without tithing it. But if you put it le cadera, cadera is like a pot, and ilfas is like a pan, lefas is the pan. This is pus You put it into the pan, and those pot or pan had been on the fire, so now it's it's at least yod. So let bow. It's hot enough to cook that's the case, keshen roschen, provided that the potter pan is hot and is still, ros seach is boiling hot, meaning yad til lettuce hot, something like around 50 degrees Celsius, maybe a little bit less than that. So then, at that point, the oil is being cooked, and one can only consume the oil in the potter pan prior to tithing it properly. Rabbi Yehuda, he disagrees with the whole principle, and he says... Um who knows? you could put it into whatever you want, meaning even into a pot or a pan. A clearishon, provided the clearishon, the pot or pan is not on the fire anymore. And he says, a pan that's not on the fire can't cook all can't, can't cook anymore. Can't cook anymore. So that being the case, the olive oil that goes into it is not cooked and remains permitted to be consumed uh, without tithing it. Medavar the exception says Rabbi Huda is if inside the pot or pan, which is removed from the fire, there's some food that contains chometz as vinegar and sear as brine. So those, like vinegar is acidic, it's a catalyst and will facilitate the faster cooking of foods. So if there is vinegar or brine in the pot, so then even if it's off the fire, says Rabbi Huda, and it's so hot, you can't put olive oil in. And if you do, the olive oil gets cooked and no longer is permissible prior to tithing.